and now you're older still. Good morning and welcome to episode 581 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. How are you, Ben? Very well, thank you. Did you have a uh, nice Thanksgiving weekend of play indexing with your family? Yeah, pretty good. Actually, with my girlfriend's family. They're big, big play indexers. <laughs> Was there any controversy, uh, you know, Thanksgiving dinner table controversy over, you know, what filters to run or, uh, you know, whether... Uh, <laughs> yeah, not everyone happened. subscribes to the baseball history started in 1988 viewpoint that you have espoused. Yeah. Some yeah, of them it, actually like to go back to divisional era or expansion era yeah it it can definitely get tense Mm -hmm. a lot of disagreement about whether the uh rookie filter is uh (laughs) accurate enough to be worthwhile or not yeah where to set the percent playing time filter that's (laughs) that's yeah that that can get ugly Uh um anyway uh just a little thanksgiving humor for everybody Mm -hmm. uh Anything to talk about? Not really. I've been traveling and writing while traveling and otherwise not feeling all that plugged in. So I haven't collected my usual amount of banter and the submissions for non-revelatory rumors have slowed after our stern warnings (laughs) (laughs) about standards. So nothing, nothing much. We got a couple, though. Uh, one of which I, I really wanted to mention, but I'm not seeing it at the moment, so maybe I will. Uh, we did get um, the Yankees are contemplating a move but haven't committed to one, Yes, which, which is a nice one because uh, it's specifically about a player but is not. Yes, as a, a Nick Cafardo rumor, he was talking about a bunch of teams, the Cubs very interested in Leicester, the Giants becoming more interested in Leicester, and the Yankees contemplating a move but haven't committed to one i i I suppose i suppose that qualifies uh the they are contemplating a move but haven't committed to one i feel like the second half of that is fairly redundant i I think i think that's what what sells it (laughs) yeah you're right i i think if it were simply the yankees are contemplating a move on lester it would be a well-trod territory uh, and, uh, you know, interesting because the Yankees, whether the Yankees are involved in a pursuit of a player uh, is actually news uh, much more than any other team because they move the market. I mean, agents, basically, you get the feeling sometimes are are just trying to get the Yankees in it, that sometimes it feels like they're just waiting to avoid signing a deal until they can get the Yankees in the, in the bidding. Mm-hmm. And so if the Yankees did jump into the bidding on Lester, it would be big news for... Um, you know, for the Cubs and for the Red Sox and for everybody, uh, but haven't committed to one is really the non-revelatory part of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the other one, though. This is from uh, Noki Man, I think, but it might be Noki Man. Okay. Uh, probably Noki Man, uh, who um, who sent us this one. Told that there have not been any recent trade discussions between Braves and A's, mm. and that's that's an out of context classic, right? right. Like out of context, that's perfect not because not just because of the uh, the 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 facts themselves uh if it if the tweet were there have not been any recent trade discussions between Braves and A's uh out of context that mm. would also be amusing yes. but to be to be told that 
would be especially good. However, there were lots of rumors about trade discussions between the Braves and A's and Justin Upton. And so uh, that's actual uh, that's actual journalism, I would say. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because uh, like some of the replies to this uh, tweet include uh, Gunner saying, wow, now that's journalism. Uh, <laughs> but it is. That's actually journalism. How about this one? This also comes via Cafardo, but it is it is not a quote, but paraphrasing something that Mark Rogers said. Mark Rogers is Andrew Miller's agent. And he said that Miller is moving closer to a decision. Is that that's something that we hear periodically moving closer? I mean, that that is assumed. We assume that Andrew Miller will sign somewhere before opening day. And therefore, he is he is by definition moving closer to a decision. Every second brings us closer to a decision. So that doesn't tell us whether he is actually close. So that seems pretty free of information. Yeah, especially because it, it's irrelevant to anybody. Like, who cares? Like, uh, it doesn't say who he's going to sign for mm-hmm. or where. And um, I guess, I, I get. I mean, if I had that, I'd tweet it. I, I'm not even a newsbreaker, and I'd still tweet it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tolerant of that one. But you're right. That is, a lot of these non-revelatory uh, rumors are non-revelatory in the phrasing. This one is non-revelatory in the information. Yes. And, uh, it, you're right. It reveals nothing of value. And you're right. He is, uh, it's like that. They might be giant song. Do you know that one? Uh, we'll have to get it for the, I, we'll have to get it for the music, but it, it okay. goes, uh, you're older than you ever were. And now you're older still. You're older than you ever were. And now you're older still. You know mm-hmm. that song mm-hmm. older. They might be giants. You're older mm-hmm. than you've ever been. And now you're older still. So it's basically like that, right? It's also, on the other hand, it's also a lot like that Bob Dylan lyric. Uh, uh, Younger than be- that now. Uh, no, no, he not busy being born is busy oh. dying, which sounds very, very deep, uh, mm-hmm. but is is actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, maybe we've maybe we've uh, maybe we've categorized all the non-revelatory rumors. Anyway, are you f- surprised that Ernesto Frieri, proven closer? Uh, and I, I sort of say that mockingly, but also like less than a year ago, he was the closer on a first place ball club. Are you surprised that he signed for $800,000? Does that seem low to you for a, a redemption closer? Particularly because uh, he's got a year of, uh, he's got two years of service time before he's even a free agent. And so if he turns out to be a steal, you've got him uh, under club control for next year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that does seem low. I mean, I mean he was, he was quite bad he didn't just he didn't just lose his job he didn't just struggle a little but he i mean he still struck guys out it it wasn't like he was incapable of missing bats anymore but he wasn't as capable as he'd been before and and he just i mean he gave up tons of home runs and was just awful generally same exfit basically as his career rate although Uh not not a great exfit but uh uh, R.J. Anderson, uh, like a week ago in his TA, basically predicted exactly this move. He did not name Frieri, uh, but said basically you could bet your house on them signing some uh, down-on-his-luck closer shortly uh, mm-hmm. for, for next to nothing, and they did. So good job, R.J. That's what I'm sure everybody is here to <laughs> listen to us talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Um, 
I guess there are um, there are all sorts of trades that surprise us. There are moves that surprise us, uh, and I, we get you know we get we get excited easily. The 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 collective lot of us uh, we get excited when a player gets traded that we were not expecting to get traded or that we think is is pretty good. Uh, but Josh Donaldson is uh, I'm trying to think of any player who combines skill and service time the way that Josh Donaldson does, uh, who has ever been traded. Mm. Like there, there are, you know, so a top prospect will, will be traded sometimes, although extremely rarely, as I think you showed, when did you show that? Uh, that was after the Will Myers trade, I think. After the Will, yeah, after the Will Myers trade. But Will Myers was a rookie. He was nothing. He was mm-hmm. uh, an unknown quantity. Um, but Josh Donaldson has been one of the three or, you know, maybe arguably one of the three or four best players in baseball over the last two years. Uh, certainly, I would say one of the, I don't know, eight-ish best players in baseball, and has four years of club control remaining. It's uh, to go back to RJ, who wrote this trade up, uh, and uh, this is now up on the website. Uh, but basically, uh, this is like if you've always wondered what you know a team could get for Andrew McCutcheon uh, or something like that, this is it. Like This is Josh Donaldson is more or less at that, play, that level of play, or has been over the last two years, and is uh, going to be under club control for four years. It is nearly unprecedented. What is your take? Well, it's definitely atypical for someone like Donaldson to get traded. Donaldson is also not the typical player with between two and three years of service time. He is, I mean, even, even, yeah, even though he lost his rookie eligibility in 2012, he is a week away from turning 29 years old. And he's also a super two player which means that he is about to be, he is arbitration eligible for the first time. So he's presumably exiting a short and sweet prime at the same time as he is going to start making much more money. So that distinguishes him somewhat from the typical player. Like uh, when I was writing about him, I, I compared him to Derek Norris just because Derek Norris is kind of in the same boat in that he broke through with the A's in 2012, but he is 26 years old and he's not arbitration eligible until next year. So uh, not that he's anything like the, the player that Donaldson has been, but just Donaldson doesn't really fit the profile of a guy who gets traded. And he also doesn't fit the profile of, of a player with his profile. Not that that really makes sense, but but you know what I mean. So those those are the reasons why presumably Oakland was willing to surrender him and why they didn't get just an enormous, massive haul in return. Yeah. Do you feel like um, the fact that he was... Uh, so Pakoda is, uh, as we've talked about, Pakoda has a longer memory than we sometimes do um, and will incorporate some aspect of his you know, pre-stardom days in its projections. Um, and those days are pretty recent. He was, uh, he had basically a good, like, month and a half in 2012, but was also demoted and uh, was, let's see, the A's traded for Brandon Inge in his last throws. Yeah, yeah he was up and down twice. Sizemore got hurt in spring training, and yeah. then Donaldson started with the team, but he didn't hit at all. He was... So mashing in the minor leagues during his time there in at yep. AAA, but he wasn't hitting at all until his final call up on mid-August when he just started hitting like 
like Josh Donaldson has yeah. hit the last couple of years. He spent his entire age 25 season in the minors. Um, and so do you think that the fact that his uh, track record is relatively short is as significant as it usually would be? Or is there like no doubt? Well, I guess it could be significant in two ways. One is you could, you know, want to regress some and say, well, I don't know, even though it's two full seasons, we're not quite sure. Uh, and the other is just to, to say, well, you know, m- maybe this is his peak. Maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe he flames out early. Um, you know, the, there's there's always the Ryan Ludwig precedent in my mind. Anytime somebody uh, explodes as a uh, kind of late bloomer who arrives in the majors really late, um, how 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 I guess how certain are you that Donaldson as a 29 year old uh, and 30 year old and 31 year old is basically going to be as good as he was at 27 and 28? Pretty confident. Like, I, I don't know. There's nothing about what he's done that really makes me all that scared. Like I would I might feel a little bit better about it if if he had been a top rank prospect and had been good right from the start, although obviously he was he was he was yeah I mean he was he was what a forty something overall pick in the two thousand seven draft he was you know he was he was a prospect he was yeah. he was a player but he didn't make any lists or anything did he no. he wasn't he wasn't highly touted so I mean if if all along scouts had projected stardom and his stats had suggested stardom, maybe I'd feel a bit more confident in him. Of course, if that had been the case, then he wouldn't be 29 and in his entering his fourth season in the majors, basically, except for that quick little call up in 2010 or whenever it was. So I I don't know. I Nothing about him screams decline candidate to me he is your mythical i don't know if he's mythical but he is your example of the guy who changed his swing mechanics <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then became yes good. and and he based them on jose batista who was an earlier example of that i'm looking up uh, pakota is very bullish on him he is the eighth best player in baseball this year according to pakota in a virtual tie with Longoria, McCutcheon, and Batista. They're essentially they're all tied for fifth, uh, along with Buster Posey, at about five wins. Mm-hmm. And so they're behind Trout, Stanton, Cano, Cabrera. And then those five are basically all tied for the fifth best player in baseball. Seem right? Yeah, sure. So even with Pakota's long memory, it doesn't he, really downgrade yeah, him. Exactly. Yeah, I was kind of expecting, I was hoping for better. Uh huh. I was or, hoping or for worse. a more, com- yeah. I was hoping for a more compelling uh, projection, but that's that's kind of just what's expected. Uh, and so then, I guess the question is, um, why would the A's trade him? And it's sort of interesting because, on the one hand, the some of the response to this trade has been uh, that it really shows how prospects are much harder to get out of teams these days you would think 10 years ago for instance if you were trading a player of josh donaldson's stature if billy bean were trading a player of josh donaldson's stature uh, you would expect him to get a package of high level prospect talent elite guys a top 10 
type prospects, uh, or at least one to 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 highlight to carry the deal, and then uh, you know a number of guys. I mean, a real like a, a you know the the Dan Heron package, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the fact that the, that Billy Bean didn't is a sign that prospects are hard to get out of teams that they're just not that willing to trade them, uh, even for a player like Donaldson. And yet, five months ago, Billy Bean traded Addison Russell, who might be the best prospect in baseball uh, right now. Um, And so I can't quite get a handle on whether Billy Bean thinks that prospects are, I guess they both fit into the idea that prospects are just, maybe maybe it's just that Billy Bean hates prospects. Maybe, Maybe the common thread is that in both cases, Billy Bean does not like them, prefers the cost-controlled young player who has major league experience to the prospect in both cases. So maybe that's what it is. But if does this... Well, if that's what it is, what is the motivation behind this move? Uh, well, he uh, he gets... He gets Laurie, you mean? Laurie, yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets Laurie instead of a prospect, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, right. Because right. I mean, he trades Donaldson, but not for prospects. He, but then, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's really hard to tie this into any kind of consistent philosophy, which maybe we just shouldn't bother doing because, I mean, coming on the heels of a season in which they traded a bunch of prospects for veterans and yeah. then made the playoffs and then signed Billy Butler to in just like immediately after that I trade. I can't figure any of it out anymore. Like the, all... <laughs> they really don't like no that. No move they make matches philosophically the next move they make. The only thing that, like, the, and I guess that like we shouldn't be so so aggressive in trying to force a philosophy on each GM and each mm-hmm. team. And if the players are good, which they basically have been, uh, then I don't know why we think that they need to be uh, you know forced into a little a little box of the type of moves they can make. So. It's good that he's not making the same move over and over. But none of these moves make sense next to the one after them. Like, they all look like a different GM making them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's maybe he's going for, like, the sort of, I don't know, polymathic GM strategy. It's just like, we'll do anything. We'll, we'll, we will excel in every kind of player acquisition. But mm-hmm. it does, I don't know. Like, so Samarge is going to get traded, probably, right? Yeah. And it just... I know that they needed. I know that they got Samarja because they needed him last year. That like it was for last year. So the fact that they trade him now, it's not quite fair to compare what return they get for what they gave up. But there's no way they're going to get anything like the package they gave up, right? Probably not. No. What would be? What would be like if they got Mookie Betts for Samarja? That would be. Pretty, is that, pretty is good. That, <laughs> That'd be that, great, but, I think. So is that like is that the line? Like anything short of Mookie Betts is going to be a disappointment. In this uh, what? Well, or I don't know what they're going to get. They might get four players with two years of service time, who <laughs> none of them are very good. Yeah, but all of them are contributors. It's very hard to say. I I don't know. They're not gonna they're not gonna get an Addison Russell back or anything close to that, but. Right. As you said that, as you said, it's it's. I mean, that was a 2014 move in large part, and so maybe it's it's not fair to to compare packages. But I don't know. It's they are they're a confusing team. I mean, they've they've always been kind of a confusing team, or at least they have been 
ever since they evolved away from the original Moneyball book strategy and we followed them from one roster construction philosophy to the next and always try to attach some over just I mean, every move the A's make we try to cram into some kind of philosophy whereas we yeah. don't normally do that with most teams there's always this sense that every move the A's make must be part of this master plan and if we could just identify something whether it's fly ball hitters or platoon guys or depth or multi-position players or whatever it is then that will just unlock the key to what they are doing maybe sometimes it does I don't know if it does this time I mean this is there's always a temptation to classify teams as rebuilding or contending even though we acknowledge that it's more complicated than that you can often say which side of that spectrum a team is leaning toward and with the A's it's really hard to say right now because Billy Bean had some comments about how they weren't going to catch the Angels or maybe the Mariners with the group that they had so they needed to do something different and he mentioned that they wanted to get younger that he didn't want the roster to deteriorate and that seems like a valid concern because as we talked about as you play index several weeks ago the A's had a historically low number of plate appearances from rookies or plate appearances and combined batters faced from rookies. They had no rookie pitchers on the team. And the farm system has been somewhat depleted by the moves that they've made over the past year. So it's hard to sustain success with without young players and without a farm system. And so they just maybe are going to zigzag back and forth maybe you you trade your young guys for veterans and try to win one year and if that doesn't work out so well then you trade the veterans that you traded for and get prospects back although like you lose some you lose something in the exchange there it's not it's not a perfect exchange because you're you're gonna lose some prospect value but that seems to be the case like i wouldn't rule out the a's being a contending team this year because they just traded their best player. I mean, they got Laurie back. Maybe Laurie stays healthy for once, in which case he's not that much worse than Donaldson. Maybe he's, you know, a couple wins worth, like a healthy full season of Laurie. And then they'll make other moves. Who knows what? They'll they'll get a shortstop. They'll do something. So I wouldn't be shocked if they were a contending team despite the fact that they just traded their best player so it's really hard to say I don't know on the on the face of it it doesn't seem like an overwhelming return but you can imagine it working out in such a way that the A's ultimately win much like the the Rich Harden trade that yielded Donaldson in the first place was criticized at the time and in the end if you add up the wins that they gave up and the wins that they got thanks to Donaldson it probably comes out in their favor so maybe Laurie has a good few years he's entering his prime as Donaldson exits his prime the best is perhaps still ahead of him and then if that's the case then you only really need one of the other guys to really hit to make up the difference so so you can construct a scenario where it all comes out in the A's favor in the end it's really incredible how much this team has been built on trades. And it's also incredible yeah. how many different trades, how many different teams 
have been traded with. I mean, uh-huh. in my, I, I've sort of have joked in the past about how it seems like they trade with the Nationals every couple weeks or, or so. But if you just look at the the roster as it's as it's been, they've got you know Norris from the Nationals was it's, a trade. It's twenty. I added it up earlier today. It's twenty two of the players on their forty men were acquired, were acquired via trade. trade. That's yeah. incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like fourteen out of their presumptive twenty five right now. Plus, I guess Jared Parker, who would be starting the season on the DL. So yeah, it's it's. I took a cursory look at the other teams. I'm going to go back and take a more in-depth look to see if anyone is even close to that. I know the the Astros are like 19 out of 39 right now. And of course, the Astros have been the worst team in baseball over the last couple of years. Well, the A's have been second best in terms of wins. So yeah, it's amazing to put a team together in such an extreme way and have it work as well as it has. So uh, Nationals, Astros, Red Sox, Cubs, Rangers, Angels, Mariners, Rays, Twins, White Sox, Padres, Rockies, and Diamondbacks. Uh, at least, those are at least the teams that they have traded with for this roster. There might be more. Interesting thing is they have not made a trade with the Giants. I don't know if that's like a, a Bay Area well, rivalry thing or whether it just happens to be the case. But they haven't made a trade since 1990 other than I think there was a... 2004 case where some marginal guy was purchased from the Giants, but they haven't made an actual trade in almost 25 years. Well, I was actually wondering, that's what got me sort of thinking about how many teams it was. Originally, what I was thinking about was how it seemed like they always trade with uh, other stat head teams, mm-hmm. uh, other than maybe maybe other than the Nationals. And I know that all teams are stat head teams uh, now. But specifically the managers, I mean, you know, we have an idea of which managers, uh, not managers, GMs themselves are kind of more of this type. And um, so, you know, the, the, the Astros, Red Sox, Cubs, Rangers, Angels, Rays, Padres of late have all been those teams. And so it's, I was sort of thinking that there's a trend there. And it's interesting that they haven't traded with the Giants or with the Dodgers uh, or... Uh, before the Tommy Malone deal with the Twins or, you know, a number of other teams. But I think that once I went through the whole list, uh, that turned out to be nothing at all. That that would be interesting because I wonder whether it's easier to trade with a team that sort of evaluates players the way that that you do so that you're not completely far apart. But on the other hand, you'd think that the best opportunities would come with teams that maybe aren't looking at the same things that you are and therefore you could find guys that they are undervaluing or that you think they're undervaluing so it did seem it seemed interesting to me for that reason too you would think that he would be out there trying to uh to find the sucker mm-hmm. as a, i mean the, the the teams that he's been trading with are basically gms who we think of as his uh as his rivals as intellectual peers uh and so you would think that he'd be out there trying to find the you know the fish at the table but uh and so then you might then further hypothesize that after 15 years uh, there are maybe teams that are just, uh, they realize that they're not going to get anywhere trading with Billy Bean, that it's never going to work out for them. Uh, I doubt that's the case, but you might hypothesize that. Uh, but then it maybe it just comes down to the fact that the teams that are most like Billy Bean in player assessment are most likely to have players that Billy Bean likes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that those players, those types of players might end up in those types of organizations. Mm-hmm. No Phillies, 
uh, on that list. Uh-huh. So, There's very no, little Braves, right? No I Braves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think there are any Braves on that list. If there are, they're from way back. Mm. Tim Hudson. Right, yeah, no, they traded with the Braves a long time ago. Uh, the, these are all, re- other than the Diamondbacks, these are basically all trades that have come in the last, like, 24 months that mm-hmm. I made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be interesting. Could mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah. Uh, all right, and so the Blue Jays, are they really good? <laughs> yeah, we. it's funny, when I was writing about this trade, I barely wrote about the Blue Jays, and now we barely talked about the Blue Jays, even though they're the team that got the best player in this deal and and got better in the short term. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems almost silly to analyze this move right now because it seems like the precursor to subsequent transactions on both sides, just like the Red Sox signings did. So, I don't know. The, the Blue Jays have clearly gotten better with this trade just as they got better with the Russell Martin signing. They have most of a lineup that looks like it could be a playoff caliber lineup. I mean, Donaldson and Martin combined with Batista and Encarnacion and Reyes, and I guess his tourists will be back. And then there are some young guys. So, I mean, sort of, and the, the pitching still looks kind of thin, but if you're going to, upgrade the pitching without actual pitchers the best way to do that is probably signing russell martin and josh donaldson to play defense for you so that makes them better but i mean they still have some pretty gaping holes which i think alex anthopoulos has acknowledged they still don't really have a second baseman i mean maybe his tourist is back but but and they don't really have a left fielder they've got like andy dirks out there is at the top of the depth chart and then they're counting on Dalton Pompey in center field. So there are a lot of question marks there still, but I'm sure they are a long way away from being finished. So I can envision an end to the offseason where they are realistic playoff contenders. I don't know whether they are at this moment. I forgot to mention the Orioles, but the Orioles are another team that they traded with last spring. Uh Uh-huh. Uh... That's interesting. I would have maybe thought that the Blue Jay, to me, I might have uh, gone the exact opposite conclusion that right now they look like they could very easily win that division. But by the end of the offseason, I'm not sure they will like that. There's just too much time for hmm. the Red Sox to to do a lot more is kind of what I'm worried about from yeah. that perspective. I can certainly see that happening. But I, I mean, the Blue Jays. If the season started right now, I might take the Orioles over the Blue Jays as currently constructed. Uh, if the season started now, you might take the Orioles over the Blue Jays. Yeah, I would. without really diving into it, I wouldn't have any way of dividing those three teams, really. Uh-huh. Uh, they'd be all close enough that I would just wait for some forecasting system to tell me <laughs> which one was best. No trades with the Mets, interestingly enough. It's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, you'd think Alderson you'd think. and Bean. Yeah. You would think. Hmm. Let's think about it. Let's just, <laughs> let's just for a long time let's just sit here and think. Okay. You'd think. You wanna end this show more than I do. Uh, I could get plenty of work done. <laughs> Waiting you out. <laughs> All right, I'll fold first. All right. Okay. Is there anything else 
to say about this trade? Uh, well, uh, probably not. Th- does this trade alone pass Matthew Trueblood's uh, Jason Hayward day question? You remember that one? Mm, remember yeah, one? whether there'd be a bigger day this offseason or how many yeah. there'd be. Yeah. No, I don't think so. This is a more interesting trade than the Hayward trade, though, right? Yes, but the Hayward trade also came on the Russell Martin signing yeah. day and this yeah. Stanton contract becoming official day. Yes. So, but it's a fun one and it's a perplexing one. Even after I've written about it and we've talked about it, I don't feel like I have a complete picture or handle on the plan. Yeah, I don't either. I, uh, I don't either. And I don't think that, I I don't know that I believe that there is a consistency to all these and that it is too, uh, the A's front office's credit that it is not deducible by us. Mm-hmm. To me, that's it's impressive. To, I mean, I know that there is a logical consistency to them all. The fact that it's not obvious is uh, it's cool. Yeah. Somebody will crack it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So that is enough for today. Hey, wait, though. Real yeah, quick. Not enough do, for today. Do you like this trade for the A's? Mm. I mean, assuming... Like, not necessarily should they have done it. I mean, they know what they needed to do. They had to do it. Fine. Okay. For whatever reason, let's just trust they had to do it. Do you like it for them? Not particularly. I don't either. Yeah. So let <laughs> just so that we're clear on that, I don't particularly like it. I don't totally hate it. I, I don't hate it. In fact, I will say I don't hate it. No, I definitely don't hate it. Uh, but I am underwhelmed. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. I trust him, but I'm underwhelmed. I agree. Okay. So next time we talk to you will be the listener email show. So send us some at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Rate and review us on iTunes and support our sponsor by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the play index, and using the coupon code BP for a discounted price of $30 on a one year subscription. We'll be back later this week.